It's great to have Brother Terry Mays here and his family. And Sister Mays is back there. Two, two of them. There's two Sister Mays. And one is young and one is a little older. I want to make sure I do that right. Oh, yes. I've been doing this long enough to know that I better get that right. And we are delighted that this family is here. Brother Mays preached to us. Man, it seems like it was, what, a year and a half, two years ago now? I still remember that message about digging a ditch. And it was tremendous. And I'm excited about hearing the Word of God tonight. Brother Mays, we want you to come. Let's clap our hands one more time unto the Lord. Thanking Him for the man of God in Jesus' name. Somebody say praise the Lord. Somebody say praise God. Amen. Ain't God good? That may not be good English, but God's still good. I said God's still good. I said God's still good. Yes, 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 he is. Ah, it's giving him a name that's above every name. I feel the Holy Ghost in the house. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know who's, uh, Tony, I don't know who, who's got the uh, title of the message, but God changed my direction. So if you'll turn me to Psalm 89. Thank you, Jesus. Man, it's good to be back here. Let me just get some things out of the way. It's good to be back here. Good to see you on the piano. It sounds really good. <laughs> sounds really good. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I, I appreciate this pastor giving me the opportunity to be here. We came out for Christmas. Uh, been over in Idaho preaching and, and uh, come in. Uh, come in in the midst of that storm, I guess it was, and uh, uh, we got here safely. Though I flew in, and, and my wife and daughter were already here, and uh, they got got more quality time with the grandson, and uh, so I appreciate my wife and my daughter, and uh, Caitlin. I I don't know where you're at, but I think know if you you've heard this one before or not so amen she says dad do you have to preach the same thing all the time amen psalm 89 verses 1 through 14 i will sing of the mercies of the lord forever with my mouth will i make known thy faithfulness to all generations amen somebody say amen amen Oh, God, help me, Jesus. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. My, my, my. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David, my servant. Thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations. Selah. And the heavens shall praise thy wonders, O Lord, thy faithfulness also in the congregation of the saints. 
For who in the heaven can be compared unto the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto the Lord? Great is, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints uh, and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. Uh, o Lord God of hosts, uh, who is a strong Lord like unto thee, uh, or to thy faithfulness round about thee? Uh, thou rulest the raging of the sea. Uh, when the waves thereof arise, thou stillest them. Uh, Thou hast broken Rahab in pieces. As one that is slain, thou hast scattered thine enemies with thy strong arm. The heavens are thine. The earth also is thine. As for the world and the fullness thereof, thou hast founded them. The north and the south, thou hast created them. Tabor and Hermon shall rejoice in thy name. Thou hast a mighty arm. Amen. Strong is thy hand and High is thy right hand. Amen. Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. The psalmist starts this 89th psalm off by declaring, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. And... Uh, with my mouth I will make known thy faithfulness to all generations. And throughout the rest of these verses that we just read, he continues to praise God and exalt the name of the Lord. He details the celestial wonders of God and his divine majesty. He details his glorious creation and his power, not only over nature itself, but over all his enemies as well. I'm glad we got a God that's still victorious. Uh, I'm glad we got a God that's an undefeated God. Mm, mm, mm. He declares God's glory, his strength, his might, uh, and how that even the mountains Tabor and Hermon rejoice uh, in his great name. Uh, he even proclaims God's infinite wisdom of justice and judgment and his marvelous workings of mercy and truth. Uh, notice again verse number 6 uh, where the psalmist uh, poses the question, uh, for who in the heaven can be compared unto the Lord? Uh, who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto the Lord? Uh, in verse number 7 he again affirms that God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. And then once again in verse number 8, he poses yet one more question on the incomparability of our God when he inquires, O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto thee, or to thy faithfulness round about thee. The old chorus we used to sing once in a while, hang on, I'll, I'll get there. The chorus we used to sing once in a while says, what a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Uh, angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. Woo, my, 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 my. However, what this song uh, is not saying, what the psalmist is telling us, that it, he is far more than just a mighty God. Uh, he is informing us that there is not anyone or anything uh, that can even begin to compare to the greatness and the superiority of our God. The psalmist is letting us know that the God that we serve is above and beyond comparison. Uh, there is nothing and no one uh, that can compare to the God that we serve, and that's exactly 
exactly what I want to preach about tonight. I simply want to preach from the subject, our incomparable God. Oh, our incomparable God. Amen. Our incomparable God. Brother Mayo, would you pray? Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. In the book of Isaiah, uh, the prophet uh, in chapter 40, uh, God speaks through Isaiah to his own people in Israel and emphatically informs them that there is nothing or no one that can compare to God. In verse 18 of chapter 40, he states, To whom then will ye liken God, or what likeness will ye compare him? Amen. In verse 25, he further emphasizes the incomparability of God by posing the question, To whom then will ye liken me, or who shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? And then in verse 25, he declares, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. And even today in our own personal attempts to find the words to compare God, we often attempt to use the most precious, beautiful, and costly things that we know of to try to describe how great God is, how much we love him, and the hope that we have in him of what Romans chapter 5 and verse 5 declares that this hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. How many are glad for the Holy Ghost tonight? Amen. But no matter how hard we try, amen, there is nothing in this world that can compare to God's greatness. Uh, the mercy and the love of God that we have experienced in our hearts, uh, our minds, and within the very depths of our souls. Uh, as apostolic Christians, we should do all that we can uh, to give God the glory uh, uh, to our Savior uh, and that we should include our personal holiness in dress, uh, actions, worship, and speech. Uh, but no matter how intelligent we might be, uh, no matter how large of a vocabulary that we might possess, uh, our minds cannot begin to fathom just how great our God is. No matter what words that we sing that are so beautiful, no matter how melodious the song, and no matter what the poetic refrain is that we could ever hope to write that glorifies God, it will always fall short of declaring God's greatness. Can I hear another amen? No matter what it might be that we try to compare God to, it will not never be good enough. How can we ever compare the love of God? 
God to anything on this earth. I said, how can we ever begin to compare the love of God to anything on this earth? Uh, How can we compare the love of God, the mercy of God, and the grace of God to anything in creation? In fact, how can anything that has been created possibly compare to our creator? Can I hear another amen? There are no words that can truly describe the wondrous God that we serve. Can I hear another amen? Because somehow all of our attempts fall short of what we really want to say to him or about him because simply put, there is no God like the God that we serve. He's more than just a king. He is the king of kings. He's more than just a Lord. He is the Lord of all lords. Oh, go ahead and give God praise. Oh, God, that's why and how Revelation chapter 19, verses 16 uh, proclaims, And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name uh, written, King of kings uh, and Lord of lords. Uh, Not only is there no God like the God that we serve, uh, there is no other name like his name. Uh, And the name of the mighty God I'm preaching about tonight is Jesus. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 uh, forcefully proclaims wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth therefore I can boldly say that the name of Jesus is greater than cancer that the name of Jesus is greater than COVID-19 the name of Jesus is greater than heart trouble It's greater than arthritis. It's greater than kidney disease. It's greater than liver disease. It's greater than high blood pressure. It's greater than diabetes. It's greater than pneumonia or bronchitis, tuberculosis, asthma, even AIDS or any other disease and sickness known to man. Oh, God. Amen. Further, the name of Jesus is also above humanism. It's above imperialism. It's above communism, Hinduism, amen, Buddhism, Islam, and every other religion or sect that is upon this earth. I'm telling you, there is no God like our God. And I'm glad I'm a one God, tongue-talking, holy, rolling, born-again, heaven-bound believer in the liberating power of Jesus' name. Hallelujah. It's at the name of Jesus that every knee shall bow uh, and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Uh, Osama bin Laden and every other radical Islamic terrorist uh, along with every other type of evil, immoral, and heinous individual uh, that has ever lived uh, will someday bow before Jesus. Uh, Is anybody going to help me preach in this house tonight? I need somebody really to help me preach. every false religious leader and teacher and even every self-proclaimed atheist that has ever lived will someday bow before him and openly confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Every man, woman, boy, and girl who has ever lived, those who are alive today and even those who live in the future, regardless of their color or class in society, will bow before him. Everything in heaven, on the earth, and even the things under the earth will someday bow before him and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Even Satan himself is going to have to bow. Decolum-
I said he's going to have to bow down and he acknowledged that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's no God like our God. And there's no name like the name of Jesus. But what many fail to understand is how Jesus received his name. We know from reading in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1 how that the angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream and told him to fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And in verse 21, the angel continued, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. But I want you to also notice uh, that Matthew continues to state in verses 22 uh, and 23, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of uh, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin uh, shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, uh, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Uh, however, the writer in Hebrews uh, uh, of chapter 1, verses 1, through four reveals further information on how Jesus received his name because he states God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in the time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Anybody with me so far? According to what we just read, uh, Jesus received his name by inheritance. So it, is it any wonder then in the Gospel of John chapter 5, uh, after Jesus healed the impotent man uh, at the pool of Bethesda on the Sabbath, uh, and the Jews sought to kill him uh, because they said he had not only broken the Sabbath, uh, but said also that, amen, God was his father making himself equal with God. Uh, in, uh, in verse 44, Jesus would tell them, I am come in my Father's name and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. And again in John chapter 10, verse 30, amen, Jesus emphatically tells the Jews, I and my Father are one. Is it okay if I take this coat off? Praise God. Thank you, son. Amen. Pray. And further in the 14th chapter of John, when Philip asked Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. In verse number 9, 
Amen. Uh, Jesus responded to Philip's inquiry in somewhat of a rebuking manner when he said, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? So it's very clear, amen, when Isaiah 9 and 6 prophetically announced, For unto us is born a child. A child is born unto us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. It is speaking of Jesus. Oh, Colossians 2 and 9 is also speaking of Jesus when it declares, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So regardless of what many denominations may preach and teach today, Jesus is still the only name that brings salvation. Because Acts 4 and 12 still very plainly states, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Salvation doesn't come through a denomination or religion. Salvation doesn't come, amen, through the name of Buddha, Muhammad, or any other religious leader's name. Salvation only comes through the name of Jesus. His name and his name alone is the only name that will bring salvation to the lost and the dying soul. There is no God like our God, and his name is J-E-S-U-S. His name is Jesus. Who do you know? Except Jesus, of whom Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3 through 7. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Amen. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our our iniquities. Oh, thank you, God. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Who do you know except Jesus? who was born in a manger, lived for 33 and a half years, was crucified on a cross, was buried in a borrowed tomb, three days later rose victoriously over death, hell, and the grave. Jesus didn't need a tomb of his own. All he needed was a borrowed tomb because he knew he'd only be in it for three days. For he already said in John chapter 2, verse 19, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. Hell didn't have enough power to keep Jesus on the cross. He went to the cross willingly, and he stayed on it willingly. And when they took his body down from the cross and buried it in that borrowed tomb, the Roman Empire didn't have enough soldiers to keep Jesus in that tomb. And in fact, all of hell didn't even have a stone big enough or thick enough to roll across the entrance of that tomb, amen, to seal Jesus inside. Oh, Jesus was destined to go to the cross, and he was destined to go to that tomb, but he was also destined to 
walk out of that tomb. The tomb couldn't hold him. Death couldn't handle him. Roman soldiers in a sealed tomb couldn't stop him. He arose victorious from the grave. They defeated the powers of sin and death itself. And Jesus declared in John, Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of death and hell. Jesus is alive forevermore. He'll never die again. He'll never have a crown of thorns jammed down on his head. He will never again be tied to a whipping post and beaten with a flagellum. He will never again be nailed to a cross. He will never again have another spear driven into his side and be pierced again. All the blood he ever shed has been shed. Amen. Amen. And this why and how Romans chapter 6 verses 9 and 10 inform us knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more death hath no dominion over him for in that he died he died once unto sin but in that he liveth he liveth unto God somebody clap your hands and praise God right now I love you God you're going to have to forgive me I got a long way to go he is alive I said he's alive he's alive forever and ever and when he comes a second time and he will come again I said he will come again it will not be like the first time the first time he came to die the second time he comes he'll raise the dead amen the first time he came in meekness and the second time he'll come he'll come in majesty the first time he came in poverty and the second time he's going to come in power the first time he came and received a crown of thorns. The next time he comes, he'll have a golden crown. The first time he came on a donkey. The second time he comes, he's coming on a white horse. The first time he came as a lamb. But the second time he comes, he'll come as a lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah. The first time he came as a baby, but the second time he's coming back as the conquering king of kings and lord of lords. He tasted death once, but now he lives and he lives forever. Amen. In Revelation chapter 1, verse number 8, Jesus declared to John on the Isle of Patmos, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I've got to slow down. In today's language, what Jesus was really saying was, I am the A and I am the Z. But I'm glad he's everything in between. He's most definitely the A, which stands for Almighty God. Because in Revelation, again, amen, chapter 1, he says, I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was, which is to come, the Almighty. He is also the B, 
as in blessed God. For Psalm 66 and 20 states, blessed be God who hath not turned away my prayer nor his mercy from me. He is this is he is the sea, as in caring God. Amen. For 1 Peter 5 and 7 tells us, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. He is the D. He is the delivering God, because Psalm 34 and 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He is the E. He is the eternal God, of which Deuteronomy 33, 27 states, the eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms and he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee he shall say destroy them he is the F he is the faithful God as in 1 Corinthians 10 13 informs us that there hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man but God is faithful somebody say he's faithful who will not tempt you to be amen will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able amen but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. He is the G as in the great God since Titus 2 and 13 reminds us to be looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. He is the H. Amen. I said he is the H. I said he is a holy God for 1 Peter 1 and 16 instructs because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. He is the I as his inspiring God because Job 32 and 8 tells us, but there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. He is the J. For he is a jealous God. And God himself shall declare, himself declares it in Exodus chapter 20 verses 4 and 5 where he says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down to them nor serve them for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. He is the K, as in keeping God, because the psalmist informs us in the 12th Psalm, verses 6 and 7, the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. He is the L. As in loving God. For John states in 1 John 4 verse 8. He that loveth knoweth not God for God is love. He is the M as in mighty God. Which again we find stated in Isaiah 9 and 6. Where it says he is the mighty God. He is the N as in nigh God or near God. For James 4 and 8 instructs us to draw nigh to God. And he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands ye sinners. And purify your hearts ye double minded. He is also a friend that's sicker closer than a brother that Proverbs 18 and 24 speaks of. He is the O. He is the overcoming God. For in Revelation chapter 3, verse 21, Jesus, amen, tells John the revelator, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He is the P, the performing God, because Philippians 1 and 6 says, 
informs us being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He is the cue. He is the quickening God. For in his charge in, uh, to First Timothy, uh, amen, to Timothy in First Timothy 6, 13, uh, the apostle uh, Paul says, I give thee charge in the sight of God uh, who quickeneth all things. And before G- Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate, witnessed a good confession. He is the R, the reigning God. For in Revelation chapter 19 and 6, John states, and I heard a voice as it were the voice of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters and as the voice of mighty thunderings saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. He is the S. He is the sovereign God. For God speaks through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 45, verses 5 and 6. It says, I am the Lord, and there is none else. Amen. There is no God beside me. I girded thee. I girded thee, though hast not, not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. He is the teacher for he is the true God as Jeremiah states in Jeremiah 10 and 10 but the Lord is the true God he is the living God and an everlasting king at his wrath the earth shall tremble and the nations shall not be able to abide his indignation he is the you as an unlimited God Because the psalmist proclaims in Psalm 147 and 4, Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. And in Matthew 19 and 26, Jesus himself says, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. He is the V, as in vine. As Jesus says in John 15 and 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. Uh, amen. He that abideth in me uh, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Uh, he is also the very God. Uh, amen. For 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 assures us, uh, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless uh, under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he is the W. He is a working God. Uh, as Jesus himself tells us in John uh, chapter 5, 17, my father worketh here too, and I work. And not only that, he is a wonderful God. But if you'll remember, according to Isaiah 9 and 6, his name shall be called Wonderful. He's also the way. For John 14 and 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I know some of you are already ahead of me. thinking, what about X? Yes, he is also the X. If I can pronounce this. He's Enodokio God. I know you're thinking, well, wait a minute. That sounds like it starts with a Z instead of an X. Yes, it does sound like it starts with a Z. But it starts with an X. And it's spelled X-E-N-O-D-O-C-H-I-A-L which means friendly to strangers. 
And according to the first portion of verse 9 of the 146th Psalm, we are told that uh, the Lord preserveth the strangers. And the meaning of the Hebrew word for preserveth means to protect, to attend to, or to regard. And as far as I'm concerned, if that's not what a true friend does, I don't know what a true friend does. Brother Sergeant, are you going to help me preach tonight? Further, I could also say that X is for x-ray God. Because we're told in the first portion of 2 Chronicles 16 and 9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. He is the why. He is the God of yesterday. But he's also the God of today and forever. For Hebrews 13 and 8 proclaims Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is also a yoke-breaking bondage God, a yoke of bondage-breaking God for God. Galatians 5 and 1 instructs us to stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. He is also the God whose yoke is easy. For in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29 and 30, Jesus himself says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. For my soul, my yoke is easy and my burden light. Somebody praise him. Finally, he is the Z. He is our zealous God. For John 2 and 17 records, and his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. He is the first And he is the last. He is, he was, and he forever shall be. Amen. There was nobody before him, and there will be nobody after him. Jesus himself declared to the religious leaders of his day in the gospel of John chapter 8, verse 58, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. The Jews could not understand, amen, what he said, and they responded by saying, You're not even 50 years old, and how can you say before Abraham was that you were? What the Jews didn't understand was that Jesus was God manifest in flesh. He was in the beginning of time as God. That is why and how the Apostle John tells us in John chapter 1, amen, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then in verse 14 he adds, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Oh, what an incomparable God we serve. It has been said Jesus was one of a kind. But the truth of the matter is he's much, much more than just one of a kind. He is the only one of an only kind. 
He's in a class all by himself. Amen. There will never be anyone else like him. He is incomparable. He was all God and all man in the same body. He was not half God and half man, as some would try to say. He was 100% God and 100% man. Listen to what Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11 have to say, confirming this. It starts by saying, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, uh, is anybody helping me? Every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God took upon himself the form of a servant and came down to earth, and as a man he faced temptation, yet he did not sin. That is why and how Hebrews 4 verse 15 assures us, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He faced temptation and overcame, and because he overcame, we can also overcome. If Jesus would have yielded temptation, it would be the temptation that the devil would also destroy us with. But because Jesus was an overcomer, you can also be an overcomer. What an incomparable God we serve. Who? But the incomparable God that we serve can take a street walker, wash away their sins, and turn them into a tongue talker. Woo, praise God. Who but the incomparable God that we serve can take somebody out of a drug house, clean them from all unrighteousness, and make them an apostolic addict. Who but the incomparable God that we serve can take a drunkard off of a bar stool, fill him with that new wine, and call them to preach this apostolic message of truth. Who but the incomparable God that we serve can take somebody from the guttermost and save them to the uttermost. Who but the incomparable God that we serve can take a nobody and turn them into a more than a conquering somebody. Somebody praise him. No wonder the third verse of the 100th Psalm, amen, proclaims, know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Then in the 19th Psalm, verse 1 declares, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. You cannot completely define him. I said you cannot completely define him, amen, or even describe him. Him because his love is endless. 
He is enduringly strong. He is everlasting, invincible. He is eternally steadfast, immortally gracious, immensely powerful, and impartially merciful. Oh, God, somebody praise him right now. Glad I know who you are. God, I'm glad I know who you are. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 6 through 11, Jesus tells Thomas, I am the way, the truth, uh, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Uh, amen. If ye had known me, you would also known my Father also. And uh, from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Uh, and in verse number 8, again, where Philip uh, saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Uh, in verses 9 through 10, uh, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you? Uh, amen. And yet thou hast not known me, Philip, he that has seen me has seen the Father, and how sayest then show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Oh, he is the doorway of salvation. He is the only way to deliverance. He's the pathway to peace and the highway of holiness. He's the gateway to glory. He's the master of the mighty. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the host. He's the leader of the legislators and the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor over all governors and the prince of all princes. What an incomparable God that we serve. He's the first. He's the last. He's the beginning. He's the ending. He is the creator of all and the keeper of all creation. He always was. He always is and he always will be. He's unmovable. He's unchangeable. He's undefeatable and never outdone. His office is manifold. His promises are sure. His goodness is limitless. And his mercy endureth forever. He's unmovable, unchangeable, undefeatable, and never outdone. I said he's unmovable, unchangeable, undefeatable, and never outdone. His word never changes. His love will endure, and his grace is still sufficient. He is caring, loving, eternal, and faithful. He is greater than the greatest. He is holy. He is jealous, and he is zealous. He is mighty. He is merciful. He is true and everlasting. He reigns in righteousness. I said he reigns in righteousness. Oh, somebody going to help me right now. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. He was bruised and he brought healing. He was pierced and he eases pain. He was persecuted and he brought freedom. He was killed and brought life. He is risen and he brings power. He reigns and he brings peace. He is light, love, and Lord of all. He is goodness, kindness, and gentleness. He is righteousness, peace, he is almighty. He's almighty. He's almighty. Somebody love him right now. I love you, God. He was bruised and he brought healing. 
He was pierced and he eased his pain. He was persecuted and he brought freedom. He was killed and yet he brought life. He is risen and brings power. He reigns and he brings peace. He is light, love, and Lord of all. He is goodness, kindness, and gentleness. He is righteousness. Amen. He is almighty, all-powerful, and uncorruptibly pure. His ways are alone, right and true. His word is eternal, and his will is unchanging. He is redeemer, savior, guide, and peace. He is my joy. He is my comfort. He is my Lord and the ruler of my life. He will never leave me, overlook me, forsake me, mislead me, or forget me. He is everything for everybody, everywhere, every time, in every way. Oh, musicians, come on up here. Hurry up. Get up here. If you fall, he'll lift you up. I said if you fail, he will forgive. If you're weak, he is strong. Amen. If you're lost, he is the way. If you're hurt, he is your healing. When you're broken, he will mend you. If you're blind, he will lead you. When you're hungry, he will feed you. Oh, I wish I had somebody to stand to your feet and praise him. When you're hungry, he'll feed you. Amen. If you face trials, he'll be with you. When you face persecution, he will shield you. When you got a problem, he will comfort you. When you're facing loss, he'll provide for you. In death, he will be with you. Finally, this is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23, emphatically states, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. That's the incomparable God we serve. If you want to know him, I want you to come to this altar. I want you to ask him to reveal himself to you. I promise you he will. He revealed himself to me. Would you come? Bring someone with you. I said, if you fall, he'll lift you up. If you fail, he will forgive. If you're weak, he's strong. If you're lost, he's the way. If you're hurt, he's your healing. When you're broken, he'll mend you. If you're blind, he'll lead you. When you're hungry, he'll feed you. If you face trials, he'll be with you. You are great.